whether it's a vision board or whether it is the intentions or the goals that I set, I associate the feeling with it. How do I feel walking up the stairs to the private jet on the Four Seasons trip to Africa? How do I feel when I sit in the leather chair and they hand me a glass of champagne? How do I feel when the warm air is washing over me in the tent that they've put together? That is so important when it comes to visioning and intentioning. Then you can literally call that in. What's your internal success story? You know, the deep down beliefs you have about how big your life really can be. Is your internal story a big story or is it filled with fear and self-sabotage that keeps you playing small? When you make the decision to play bigger, you're also influencing everyone around you. Playing bigger requires a shift. The shift is what happens when you let go of the self-limiting beliefs that keep you from stepping into your authentic, powerful, beautiful self. It's a shift from the probabilities into the possibilities of your big, amazing life. My favorite conversations are when I get to hear how people shift into playing bigger. This podcast is your invitation to listen to others that have made the shift and also serve as a catalyst to explore the shift needed for you to play bigger. And no, I'm sitting right here cheering you on. Hi there, I'm Tracy Skier, speaker, author, coach, and head cheerleader for anybody trying to play bigger. And this is episode number one. I'm super excited about today's episode because we're going to be talking with the incredible Trisha Brooke. We're going to be talking about shifting out loud. Trisha Brooke helps high-performing professionals transform into industry thought leaders through the power of authentic storytelling. Her methodology centers around transforming her clients' authentic stories into an industry-leading voice and commanding media presence to gain wider recognition to become the go-to experts in their fields. Trisha founded the Big Talk Academy, where she certifies speakers in the art of public speaking. She was the executive producer of Speakers Who Dare and TEDx Lincoln Square and is the producer and host of The Big Talk, an award-winning podcast and YouTube channel. She curates and hosts the Speaker Salon in New York City and is being featured in a new documentary called Big Stages. Trisha's book, The Influential Voice, Saying What You Mean for Lasting Legacy, was a number one new release on Amazon in December of 2020. She's been featured on the cover of Brains Magazine, and her documentaries have received critical acclaim, winning numerous awards, including Best Documentary Short at the Olympus Film Festival and Los Angeles Movie Awards. Oh my gosh, what a nice intro that is. So welcome, Trisha. I'm super excited to have you here today. Tracy, thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. I really appreciate being on your first episode of the new podcast. I know, I know. So let's see how this goes, right? <laughs> Listen, I'm glad you're my first because when I think about, you know, I've done a few podcasts before, but this shifting out loud, this transition into this to me is the most exciting thing, but probably the most exciting conversation to be in. And it's because I want people to feel like they're kind of sitting on the porch, listening to somebody say, this is what it was like before. This is the shift that happened. And now this is, you know, how big it can be. So before we go too far, let's picture we're sitting on a front porch. So we have to know where you're sitting right now. Tell me where you are right now. I am in Manhattan in New York City, sitting in my office, looking out the window at the Alvin Ailey Dance Theater. Ah. And if I had a rocking chair, I would be in that. But I don't think it's good for camera. <laughs> nice. So listen, how do you end up in New York City? Because I don't know. I do know a little bit about you and your story 
did not start in New York City. So tell us a little bit about that. My first porch was in Arnold, Missouri. And I knew when I was seven years old that I would move to New York City and become a dancer. I was super focused, super clear. It was absolutely talk about the first shift. That's what I shift. That's when I first shifted out loud. Saw my sister dancing on a stage, realized that I needed to do that. And that meant becoming a ballerina and moving to New York City to pursue my career dancing with Barishnikov. So everything about how I lived my life from that moment at, at seven to when I did move to New York at 20 after my college education, everything about that moment was leading me to this moment in time that I am here with you. Oh, my gosh. At seven years old. So the minute I was listening and I'm going to tell everybody how I know you, I'm scrolling through Facebook one night and I'm trying to figure out how am I going to play bigger and there you are in a Facebook ad. So for those of you who don't think those work, they do. And you were talking about, you know, people playing bigger and getting people on bigger stages. And I signed up like immediately for your class. I want to talk about that in a second. But I, when I signed up and I jumped into the, the first or second session with you and you started talking about Arnold, Missouri. And I thought, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Arnold, Missouri, we have something in common. And you start talking about shag carpet at some point, or maybe I started talking about it. I don't know. But I love that. That's kind of your beginning, but tell me more about being seven and you know, you know what you want. Are you good at visioning? Are you good at thinking bigger from, you know, the moment you're seven years old or has that been a muscle you've had to develop? I have always been a big thinker and because I'm in the world of performing arts and showbiz, no means not yet to me. Mm. I've never heard no. I've always heard not yet. Yes. And so thinking bigger and knowing what's possible, it does require visioning. And I absolutely am flexing that muscle now every single day. I didn't know I was flexing that muscle when I was a kid. All the dance magazines, all the posters on my walls, I didn't realize that that was visioning. It was just what we did. We would go to Spencer Gifts and we would buy posters of ballet dancers. But clearly I was visioning and setting up my future watching PBS, watching Gelsey Kirkland and Misha do a pas de deux in the Nutcracker every single holiday season was getting me to the place where I would share a studio with him and the Lucinda Child's Dance Company and sit, sitting on the floor, warming up, talking about how our bones were tired. Did not realize I was visioning that as a seven-year-old, but now I flex the muscle very intentionally so the visioning that I set myself up with to play bigger and to to know there's more is absolutely intentional now. And I still don't know how much bigger I can go. You've been a great example for me. You've really like pulled me out of my comfort zone a bit in some of our conversations. You started saying things as if they are, you know, are they've already happened. And I and it and in my soul, I know this. I'm but the muscle to actually live, you know, shift out loud. For me, the out loud piece is where you start to do things and you start to act on some of those things, right? So there's a, there's this shift internally where people say, I'm going to think, you know, I, I know there's more, but the out loud is where you actually start rolling your sleeves up and doing things. And you've casually mentioned that you've been on some very big stages in your dance knee. Tell us just a little bit more if you don't mind about about that. The very first big stage was Lincoln Center in New York City. I performed at an AIDS benefit and I got to wear a Michael Kors designed dress and gown 
And I remember the, the moment I was given the opportunity to step onto the Lincoln Center stage where all of my heroes, all of the ballerinas danced. I literally showed up at the theater at eight in the morning. I, my tech rehearsal wasn't until four in the afternoon, but I wanted to sit in that dressing room. I wanted to sit in that space. I wanted to smell. I wanted to taste. I wanted to feel all of the energy from all of the incredible artists who had been in that space before me, not only so I could energetically receive that, but also so I could pay homage to that. That's a sacred space. And so that was one of my very first stages. And my dance teacher from Arnold, Missouri came to see me perform on that stage. It was epic. And the next stage was St. Mark's Church in the East Village, which was a beautiful stage that had these columns right in the middle. And this was new to me. Why are there columns on a stage? You have to avoid them when you're doing pirouettes, right? It's a whole thing. In New York City, there's a lot of really cool, funky spaces that have columns because that's how the building is is constructed. So I went from Lincoln Square to St. Mark's Church or to PS122, which is in the East Village as well. And they were all equally as profound for me. When I danced with Lucinda Childs, this was when my entire world expanded. And talk about visioning and shifting out loud. I was about to move on from dance. I was not loving all the companies that were asking me to dance for them. I wanted more. And so I decided to go on a backpacking tour of Europe. And how I did this was I found all of the companies in Europe that I wanted to dance with, and I scheduled auditions with them. So I toured around Europe with my backpack, auditioning to all, uh, for all the companies, and found myself in Paris, sitting in a cafe across from the Paris Opera House. And I was having cheese and wine and doing the thing, just looking at the theater, thinking, that's where I want to dance. I want to dance at the Paris Opera House, not knowing that that's where I would end up dancing. Come back to New York, audition for Lucinda Childs, and that tour for a year went all over Europe. Lisbon, Sintra, Portugal, Palermo, Italy, Paris. We ended up Vienna. I performed a solo in Vienna and ended up on the front page of a newspaper. And then we finished the tour at the Brooklyn Academy of Music here in New York. So in that moment, in that cafe, as I'm looking across the street, thinking out loud, I'm going to dance there. This is what's really important for everyone who's listening. How is not our business? How is not our business? When you choose to shift and you say it out loud, the how is taken care of from source and from everyone else who comes into your life. Oh my gosh, I love that. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. I know the times I've been pulled off my path, I was in the how business. Like, you know, well, how's that going to happen? And you and I have talked before, that book, The Illusionist by Richard Bach, where he talks about in the beginning, our job is to get in the flow of the universe. He likens it to the river. And he says, your job is to stay in the flow. But a lot of people get out of the river. They they get hung up on a rock. They stay there way too long. And so how do you stay in the flow? Like, how do you, I assume you've had some obstacles in your day, right? How do you keep that from, you know, being the thing that stops you? If I start to get busy with the how, I limit the possibility. 
which means I have to constantly go back to being in trust. And that is directly related to my level of risk tolerance. I have a very high risk tolerance. I am super comfortable not knowing the how, but when I start to interfere with the how or start to think I know more than the universe, then I limit myself. So it really comes back to, again, flexing the muscles here of being in trust, going back to the knowing of I am available to what is there for me. And it is bigger than I can even know. Now, I need to continue to think bigger, but it really requires me to always come back to the trust. So what you're talking about, that that trusting piece, risk is a muscle, all of that is really, I believe, something that pe- that eludes a lot of people. You know, I know it has to be in the past. I, I'm a big vision board fan. I'm going to ask you in a minute if you have one. I just listened to you. I, I love the masterclass. I don't know if you've heard Chris Jenner's new masterclass, but I was stunned that she talked so much about a vision board. And I've had two two reactions when I start talking vision boards to people. Some people are like, oh gosh, that's so woo-woo. And then I've heard people go, yeah, it was a game changer, changed my life. So first of all, have you had a vision board and or do you? That's the first question. And then I'll come back to the second question. But what's what's the answer to that? Do you have one? I do have a vision board and I just added something to it yesterday. Tell me. I just added the Four Seasons private jet trip to Africa. What? <laughs> It's 128,000 per person and it's 13 days and you get on a private jet with the Four Seasons people and they take you to all of these amazing cities. So that's what I'm visioning now, Tracy. Man, I'm cheering you on. That's a big vision. I love that. I love that. I'll be anxious to, to hear about that trip. So you you also did something in the first time I met you. That was kind of a visioning exercise for me. My wife, Rosemary, and I were in New York. You know, I meet you on this kind of online course. I don't know if it's appropriate to unpack that a bit. Can we go there for just a second? How that, how that went down? You yeah, can, for sure. So we, so we're, you know, I'm on there. I'm watching you and I'm like, Oh gosh, I don't, I know that I can learn from you, but I didn't feel like that was the place. Although I thought the course was amazing. I just knew there was a bigger relationship to be had with you. So I am, you know, heading to New York the next week. I reach out, you say, okay, I don't know what you're thinking, but I knew just to say yes to one of the many people that are in your classes, I knew that wasn't easy to go, sure, I'll give you an hour, but you did. And in a super short amount of time, I felt like you got where I, what I am about, which by the way, thank you for that. I don't have that experience often, but within like 48 hours, we are in a theater and you're visioning me in that theater standing on that stage. And that blew me away when that happened. So I don't know if you do that to everybody, you put them in that theater, but I'm going to tell you that was really, that was really big for me. I'm super grateful because I don't, I'm out of the how business, but that's inspiring for me on the days that I don't want to write or the days that I don't want to do what you know, what needs to be done. So anyway, thank you, Barrett. Thank you for sharing. And I want to reflect back that everyone who's listening and who's watching, you made the decision to shift out loud by reaching out to me and stepping into what's possible for you in terms of playing bigger. And everyone who's listening and watching, Tracy's referring to the Big Talk Academy, which is my online group program that she signed up for. 
And on our first group call was going very well. You had the experience of this isn't for me. I need more here. Right. So that's your first shift in thinking, having the courage and the spa, if you will, to email me and say, I'm coming to New York. I want to work with you for an hour. That was another version of thinking bigger and playing bigger. Not everyone does that. And that impresses me because if you are going to think bigger, that requires you to think outside of the box and to ask for what you want. So you asked for what you wanted. I scheduled a rehearsal room. We met, we talked about what was possible for you. And in that moment is when we both realized, yeah, the group program is not the thing. This is a, a deeper relationship that you need attention for in order to play bigger. So of course, I'm going to take you to the theater to show you what's possible. But this is so great for your audience to hear is that none of this was a how prior to the Facebook ad. And if we go back to vision boards, do you want to share about your vision board? And, and I want to say, you put a big price tag on that hour. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, you said like this super formal. And I, in that moment, I'm like, okay. And I think sometimes people will look at, you know, the things surrounding the door that's about to, I knew it, the door that was going to open meeting you it didn't i'm not gonna say it didn't matter what the price was it was it was a big ticket though but i knew you were testing me and i knew you were like i'm not playing with anybody that is playing small and so i that barrier was so i would say so high yet it was also palatable and doable but i knew that that was almost like a test as well because i assume a lot of people are reaching out to you so i want everybody to know you're not going to get an hour of her time you're going to write a big check and it's going to be worth every freaking penny because of the the instantly when you say vision board for me i'm a big vision board person i've got one up on my wall now i have had a weird relationship with my vision board because in the past i think sometimes people say well you just put things on the vision board and they magically happen and that is so not true. What happens is a couple of things. You have to put it on the vision board and then you have to give it energy, whatever that is. You have to, you know, what some of, some people call it meditating. I'm going to ask you what you call it in a minute. But for me, it's being so intentional in, you know, I stand in front of this and I look at it and I read different things. And this is the piece that people miss and you have to get now. What happens in that when you have something in your mind and you're studying it and you're thinking about it, doors start to fly open. And you won't see those doors if you aren't connected to something bigger. And so for me, the reason that was all a yes for you is the things I want, you are opening a door. I'm super grateful. And my job was just to go through the door. That was it. Nothing else. And I just, I hope everybody can, you know, kind of think about that. You and I have also talked about this idea that you know, you get to the end of your life and whatever you believe it to be true, somebody says, hey, I gave you everything that you thought about. I gave you everything that you wanted. And to me, the worst part of that would be, what? Everything I thought about? I was thinking about playing small, not thinking about playing bigger. So so you have a vision board, obviously you just told us a little bit about it. How do you give it some energy? How do you create a connection to that? What's your process? Whether it's a vision board or whether it is the intentions or the goals that I set, I associate the feeling with it. How do I feel walking up the stairs to the private jet on the Four Seasons trip to Africa? 
how do I feel when I sit in the leather chair and they hand me a glass of champagne? How do I feel when the warm air is washing over me in the tent that they've put together? That is so important when it comes to visioning and intentioning. How does it feel when a speaker, an actor walks onto that stage and I see their beautiful, shining face beaming out into the audience? How does it feel? That's something that is so important. When you start to associate how you feel when you get a standing ovation, because what you've shared with the audience has moved them to their feet then you can literally call that in. So I haven't gotten a lot of standing ovations, but I do know what you're talking about. For me as a speaker, I do think about, I don't think about the talk. I think deeply about that until the day of. And then I envision me standing outside afterwards and people, what they are saying to me. They're saying, I needed to hear that or, you know, thank you, or that was super funny or so I do think about that. And you're going to make me think bigger. I can already tell this African story. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm just trying to think about, you know, going to Chicago next week. But when I think also about just, you know, what you said, I don't want anybody to miss this. It is, it's not enough to just say that's what I want to, to, you know, go there emotionally and to create some of those connections to that and to pay attention when it starts to happen, right? To be able to say, oh, that's, I'm uncomfortable, but I'm going to go through that door. I don't know if I can play big enough, but I'm, I'm certainly going to try. Like those are all normal fears that I think sometimes stop people. And, and you said that you're, you're pretty good with risk. I would say I probably am and I'm not. It's situational, but I do believe risk is a muscle. So I love that you're reemphasizing that for the audience. Today. Something I'll share with you also, Tracy, is that when you are being given an opportunity and your first response is fear or gripping, just sit with it for a second because, and here's an example. I was, I was given a download in my kitchen four years ago that I needed to move. And my first thought was, Oh my gosh, I hope Joe comes with me. <laughs> And I was not planning to move. We had not discussed moving. And when you live in New York City and you've got a good deal, you don't move. We had lived there for 10 years. There was no reason for us to move, but I knew that I needed to listen. And that day I got on a call with a realtor and started looking for apartments. And that year, the word that I chose was expansion. Our apartment was great, but it was dark. It didn't have the kind of light I wanted. And so I made a decision to vision where I would live and where Joe and I would live together. And we moved from a two-bedroom, very dark apartment on 57th and 10th to an extremely expansive, bright, beautiful new apartment on 55th and 9th that looks out at the Alvinelli Dance Theater. And I said to Joe, this is what we're meant to do. This is our new normal. We don't have to walk up anymore. We can press the button and the elevator can take us. We can get shoes delivered without them being stolen. This was the expansion. And had I not listened to that, to that voice or to that, that knowing, we would have been in a very dark, small apartment during COVID, right? So I knew the fear of why are we moving? It's twice as much money. 
What happens if they raise the rent? All the things that your human mindset talks you into keeping you playing small. I, I said, I have to trust. I have to be in full trust. When we expand, when we move to this new apartment, everything will always be fine and it will be so much better and bigger. Nice. Nice. Listen, I, you called it a download. I love that. It's like when you, when there's a knowing and we all have that voice inside of us. We have two, right? We have the one that says, no. And we have the one that says, Hey, maybe this could be big for you. And, you know, training yourself to listen to that second voice, I think takes a little bit of work and a little bit of discipline. But I love that you have gone through uh, a lot of open doors, doors that open for you as I'm learning to do more of as well. So before we wrap, there's a couple of things I want to talk about. One is I know your passion is really around directing, directing documentaries. You've been involved in some pretty big projects. You're not even talking, you're being humble and not even talking about some of those, but what are you looking forward to next? What's the big shift that you're now working on? I'm super excited about this potential Broadway show that I'm working on as a producer. And I'm really excited about this one woman show that I'm working on and writing currently. And I've got a new doc about the blind and visually impaired community, which I'm also really excited about. Nice. Nice. Well, listen, I, as you know, could talk to you all day. I just want to say this. If people want to sign up for your Big Talk Academy, so let's, let's pitch this a little bit. How do people find you? For sure. I'm on Instagram, Trisha Brook, trishabrook.com. You can find information about the Academy at thebigtalkacademy.com. And of course, my podcast, The Big Talk with Trisha Brook on Apple Tunes. So I'm going to tell everybody, Brook is spelled B-R-O-U-K and you also have a book out called The Influential Voice, which is amazing. Rosemary read it, not, and she's not a speaker, but she said, I got a lot out of that book. So I'm hoping that people will check that out. And you just did the audio version. So I know a lot of my listeners are audio book listeners. So I hope you'll check that out. Now, and I just want to say this. If you are sitting here right now thinking, I need to have a more influential voice, even if it is standing in a boardroom, if it is walking in and trying to ask for a raise, if it is you are meant to be on big stages, Trisha has something for you. So creating an influential voice is not just, you know, to stadiums of people. It's just finding your authentic voice and letting it be heard. So I want to say thank you for really just, you know, for your time today, certainly, but for how big my life has gotten since I met you. And I know that there's a much bigger shift and my teacher as well. And I appreciate our partnership. So thank you so much. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure and privilege, Tracy. I appreciate you. If you're still here, I'd love it if you'd subscribe, rate and review, and then tell all your friends. I want to know what inspired you, what your big takeaways were. And I'm curious, what will you go do because of what you heard today? How will you shift out loud? Let's do it again soon. 